From a derelict spaceship in orbit generally above the Twin Cities, this is Evil Games Club. Do not attempt to address your device. We are controlling the transmission to tell Nice Games Club that they are wrong and dumb and that we know better. I'm Dylan Skirbitz, and I am up to no good. I am Medea Alderson, and I do what I want. And I'm Dale LaCroix, and I hate everything. For this evil episode, our topics are working from home, starting big slash small projects, and escapist games. So whether you're ready or not, here's how it really is. <laughs> Hi, everybody. How you doing? We're back. <laughs> yeah, after a long hiatus. Yeah. In the age well, of Rona. I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when was the like last a... episode? Was it? It was December. Jeez. Like, wow. Ooh, almost a year. Wow. Yeah, approximately 30 years ago by uh, 2020 <laughs> reckoning. Yeah, so long ago, <laughs> back when we could be in the same room together. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I wish that we had some cooler excuse for that, like when we were like telling the next generation what happened. Like, no, man, we couldn't get together because like the wolves were patrolling the streets. They were out in numbers. It's like, no. Actually, it was just really boring, and we all sat inside for a really long time and wished we didn't have to. Um, right? It kind of puts a downer on those like apocalyptic storylines where like everything fell apart, the disease ravaged everywhere, and we're like, and there were zombies. This is bad. Yeah, <laughs> we were all just really lonely and a little sad. Exactly. There's no <laughs> blitz in London. You know, we weren't on the front lines, and so no, pretty much just like you know, a little uncomfortable sometimes. Right? But like, I guess. To put a button on the top, like I feel like this pandemic is like serious, and there's a lot of things that'll fall out. And I feel like the stories that come from this, and kind of how people survived, and the different variants of how people experienced this, because it is a very serious thing. But like, it is interesting from the standpoint, like when you think about being part of like historical movements, you always think about the big and flashy. And while everybody's doing their part, don't get me wrong, like the different things that are all happening kind of at once in this reckoning type of moment. there are still like the dated things you don't read in history books. You don't read about the people who are like, yes, I was doing all these things, but then I also kind of just stayed in my house for a long time because we couldn't go out. Yeah. Or- yeah. It's so it's so much easier to remember like, you know, these galvanizing moments rather than the struggle, which is day to day. Like that is yeah. how things do, how things go is by keeping that momentum where you're just, you're doing the correct things. You're not putting yourself or your friends or your family at risk every single day. And like, yeah, that's what's going to get us through it. And we'll remember like, oh, you know, like there was this one really big day when like, you know, the morgue trucks they had in in New York City, which is horrific. Like those are iconic images, but like everyone was working on this the whole time during, before and after. Mm -hmm. Because like, well, like for a lot of historic moments like that, it's the snippets. It's like everything went online and like there was protests, you know, for long and blah, blah, blah and upheaval and all this stuff. And then, like, you don't, you're like, everyone took up bread making. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. We ran out of yeast. (laughs) I made banana bread, and I don't bake or anything. We just had a lot of bananas that were going bad. It's yeah, crazy. I'm proud to say that I have, if anything, regressed. I have not learned bread making. I have not gained any useful skills. I've become dependent on Taco Bell to satisfy my daily (laughs) nutritional needs. Uh, Taco Bell is... (laughs) So wonderful. Like, even well, when- they're not anymore. Actually, so I should have made this my topic. It has nothing to do with games, but they're literally taking off all of the good things in the menu. They oh. started first. They came for the uh, the cool ranch, uh, ta- the taco shells, and now they're taking away the shredded chicken mini quesadillas. They're getting rid of the Fritos burritos, which are like iconic one dollar staples. But like, 
you only have six ingredients anyway. Can't you just keep making those things? <laughs> That's funny. I don't order any of those crazy things. I order really boring stuff at Taco Bell, apparently. I guess so. Well, yeah. <laughs> yesterday was the last day for a huge range of items in Taco Bell. Their menu has now shrunk. And they basically eliminated everything I like except the breakfast crunch wraps. So oh. I have to find a new thing. I mean, that sucks because like a, there's very few places if you're vegan to get late at night. Like if it's 2 a.m. I'm starving. I know I can get just like a plain bean burrito with lettuce, tomatoes and salsa from yeah, Taco exactly. Bell. Uh-huh. And yeah, I like I want to support them for their choices, but they just keep making the ones that hurt me specifically. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> We'll just put in Martha's transition, which goes. Yeah, you know that topic. That. It's time next for the one. next hey. one. Hey. <laughs> That's amazing. It's I so that. good. Okay, so um, because everything has changed, I was gonna say, um, I am working from home, and so that's my topic: working from home. So I, I don't work in the games industry at all. It's something completely different. Um, but I have transitioned from working in an office to working from home next to my lovely husband who sits behind me. Um, and it's been kind of a hard transition. Are you guys working from home too? Yeah, I'm in a similar uh, boat as well. And I feel like I, so I do like working from home. I'll put it that way. Like I, I'm with people who are like, yeah, this has been great. I like the being able to kind of have flexibility, but I also think my job is in such a way that they've allowed me that flexibility. There's not a lot of micromanaging and it's kind of like, as long as your work is done, like as far as like the hours you work and the flexibility and stuff like that is very variable. So I feel very lucky to be in that situation, but it's been really hard making that mental shift of like when to turn on work mode dia, when to turn off work mode dia, or even sometimes getting the motivation to like, all right, I have to do this work for X amount but like you're at home and uh-huh. your TV's right there. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I knew this was going to be hard because whenever I'm on the road, because I also travel for work is when I have a day off from like actually doing something and I'm like working in the hotel room, boy, I want to take a nap. Cause that bed is so close. <laughs> <laughs> Naps have been a new part of my routine too. For me, it's the double struggle where because I was also I was furloughed, but like kept on for just important, like, you know, necessary tasks and stuff like that. So simultaneously, like, yeah, I I went from being fully employed to like essentially being unemployed, but always on call where if something goes wrong at any time of the day or night. It's like, oh, now I'm working. So it's just it's completely erased that boundary. Like there's no Uh like I don't get those nice clean chunks of like this is when you have to do the things that are work. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it's like, it's such a struggle to put yourself in that headspace. And especially like on some days, you know, to go like, oh, I have something to solve at 10 a.m. And then at 11 a.m. I go shopping, you know, and then I come home and work on another thing. And then I go like do some laundry. So like the constant like switching back and forth out of work mode, just, yeah, it it's so draining, honestly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I've had similar things where like, all right, I have a meeting and then I have a little break. I could start work, but then like, I need to do X chore, so I'll do that. And that shouldn't take so long, and I'll be back to finish this. And, like, no, I agree. That line has been blurred heavily. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, yeah like, that's not necessarily all bad. Like, some things, at least for me, I think that's really nice to be a, like, especially in, in what I do, which is a lot more sort of tech support stuff. If I am waiting for an answer for someone, 
a lot of times, like I am at a standstill, like even if I was sitting in the office, you know, in normal times, couldn't do anything about it. And now I'm just like, cool, well, you know, I'll go make myself a burrito while, while they figure that out and they can get back to me and I've got my phone. Uh But yeah, overall, it's just a complete rethink of the work life. No, I agree. Cause I found like, like while it's that blurring line sometimes makes it difficult to like know when to like switch off. One thing I realized is like similar in the tech space, you know, I work as a software developer when there's like a bug I'm stuck on of being stuck in a cubicle, trying to like bang your head against the wall to figure it out. I'm like, you know, I'm going to take a break and I go up and I do some yoga or maybe I play a game on my phone for like 30 minutes. Usually after that, I come back and like, Oh, I know how to solve this or, Oh, Oh, my brain nice. gets the, those nice times to take a break, which is a little harder when you're like at an office where people are like, I must see you productive all the time. Right. When you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that, like the factory worker mentality of like hands must be moving. Boss might be watching. Like it doesn't impact how much work you do, but it impacts how good you feel about getting, you know, getting stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. I have been switching from a very, I don't want to be like very structured day because it's not like the, the work isn't structured, but like, my routine of like going into the office, working, having lunch, working, then, you know, taking an afternoon break, usually for a, for a snack and then working some more. Like I have been working so many fewer hours just because like, well, my job has kind of shifted over the course of this. But like, you know, like I would get in always by nine, usually by eight, depending on like how much I had slept to show that I was there, but like, I would always work until like six, at least on Monday and Wednesdays, just because I had an exercise class after that. And so like, that's a long day. And so I just feel more unproductive because I'm not putting in the same hours, even though there's kind of the same, you know, like, even though I have a backlog of work to do. Um, and that's been a really hard transition to, for me. I also find that like, you know, everybody like starts out their day pretty good and then there's a lull and then like they get more productive like later in the afternoon. That lull for me is just so deep and it ends up in a nap most days. (laughs) (laughs) And so like to feel that and then in contrast with, you know, people who are working because it's a, it's a manufacturing facility in the support staff where they're working regular hours they, you know, everything is pretty much the same other than all the new like protocols regarding COVID to know that they're working that and like they might text me and I might be 100% asleep is kind of hard. And then like, I also like, I remember one conversation where it was like, so-and-so was totally taking a ride with on their bikes with their family at working time at 2 PM. And it's like, yeah, I get that you don't, have that same flexibility that we have working at home and like I totally get why you would want to take a bike ride at 2 p.m. with your family but like you know like we're also working from like 10 to midnight and stuff like that and it's a whole different mentality and truth is you know we'd rather not have this pandemic and we'd rather be in the office because then like we would have a different way of focusing than you do when you're working at home and you have those resources of other people to like just ask questions. Whereas like here, it feels like, you know, like, yeah, 
depending on what your company has set up. Like I could send them a chat and some people answer, some people aren't on the chat, depending on kind of like there's definitely a um a generational divide between who's on the chat and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it feels like such a big bigger deal than like just walking over to somebody's cube and being like, hey, you know, like I don't have good notes on this. What do you remember? Or hey, you know, like and you miss those personal like conversations that you don't really have over a text. Yeah. Well, and yeah, like that's what I try to remind myself and Martha too is like, you know, if you're not being productive right now, like this is, this is not a time where you're like, gosh, I just, I really got to work on, you know, there's nothing else going on my life, you know, going on in my life. I should, you know, improve my productivity. It's like, no, we're dealing with something. And if your productivity is going to go down for a lot of reasons, because it may be interrupting these, these cycles, you know, interrupting lines of communication that used to be, oh, walk over to someone. But also like everyone is stressed and tired and is trying to like, rearrange all their life because it's not like oh you know people change jobs things change in your job life but to have your job and all of your hobbies and your like your schedule for everything you do change all at once like yeah the, people are still reeling like i don't think that goes away just because oh you know it's been a couple months it's been a couple months of being locked up essentially like mm-hmm. you don't you don't like automatically just go oh yeah you know this is the new normal everyone doesn't just cheerily march on to never <laughs> see their friends and family again like I just, yeah, like that's what gets me is people, I have coworkers in Germany who like for them, they're, they're like, that's what this means. Like we all just have to cut some slack, which means they're like totally fine if people don't answer emails, stuff doesn't get done. And they're like, Hey, we're in the middle of like a whole nightmare scenario for most of us. That's just how it is until things, you know, settle down a little bit. And I feel like I, you know, interacting with people in America, I feel like it's kind of an American thing where people like, there's just people around us who have decided, no, we're done. Like it's over now. We're, oh, yeah. we're not doing this anymore. It's just yeah. like, that's not your job. You don't get like, you don't get to decide when that, this is over. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Like with like the gym opening back up. And I was like, no, I am not going back to the gym, but thank you very much. <laughs> like it's, you know, like, you're just like, it's not over yet. No. And I agree a hundred percent with what Dylan was saying. Like there was a couple of Twitter posts I was reading, but this is my thing. It's like, you're not going from working in the office to working from home. You're going from working in the office, to working from home in the middle of a pandemic and a social upheaval and a social unrest. Yeah. And like that entire mentality and you're like, no, you're going to have a productive. I know I took off like at least a week and a half from work because I was like, I cannot produce anything right now. I can't. Oh, good for you. And like, yeah, it's, it's, some days you're just like, I can do the bare minimum today. And we've had that kind of allowance for people when like, we do stand-ups and stuff like that to be like, this is what I got done. You know, here's the deadlines. And we've been like more generous with that uh-huh. kind of thinking because like, you can't use this as an example of like, what it would be like to work from home because all the things that Dylan said is not a normal it's anywhere. Not. Yeah, it feels it feels so weird for me because for so many people that I work with, it is more normal but for me it's totally not normal yeah and i just think about like i have friends who have worked from home you know for their like their whole professional careers i used to live with a guy who you know that that's what he did work work from home and yeah his entire life is turned upside down just like everyone else's is this like 
the work from home is not, you know, the only thing that's stopping you from being, you know, as uh-huh. productive as you were. So, yeah, Marcus. Yeah, I feel really bad because I feel like more people should just, yeah, like do what Adidas company does and cut people some slack. Yeah, Mark has spent, like, Mark works from home and so he has, like, adjusted to this so much better than I have and he was so excited to, like, have me in the office all the time and when the pandemic first started, I had to like get used to the fact that my office mate was no longer, you know, like is no longer another person, like a person I don't know very well. <laughs> it's my husband. And he would like, you know, like he would get up to go to the bathroom or he would go get up to go to the fridge to get something to drink. And he would he would touch the back like the like lightly my back or my shoulder just to like let Ooh, me know you better that bring he was that up getting up. Oh my gosh, like it took me weeks to like not like totally cringe because like I was in Dale work Dale's at work mode. Like that does not happen at work, like fortunately, but like it's it's so weird. And it's like, no, I am married to him, like that's an okay touch for him. But we had to be like, okay, this is like less okay during like Dale at work time. <laughs> like like it was remarkable how much like it like it bothered me. And then I was like, okay, no. Like, cut yourself some slack. Like, this doesn't have to be only highly productive work time. Because, like, at work, what am I doing? Like, like the bathroom is a lot further away than it is at home. The snack machine is a lot further away than, like, it is at home. Because here it's a cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to not be on all the time. Because, remember, you weren't on all the time at work. Yeah. Yeah, like the other thing that like has helped me is to like break up my day and have like a really productive morning and then kind of slide into that unproductiveness in the afternoon and then maybe come back to it late at night. And so I'm sure like my colleagues see like 3 a.m. emails coming through or like 2 a.m. emails coming through. And that's just like how I work now. And it's a lot easier to work that late at night for me. I mean, it's not always that late. Just because that's yeah. when I'm feeling productive. And I think that I also picked like the nice tasks to do during like not normal working hours. So that's been something for me. Also remembering that like, you know, when it gets to be like a real big slog to remember that work should, shouldn't be hard. It should be like a little bit pleasurable. You picked your career for a reason. And I'll if it's, and if it's not, you know, like there's always going to be unpleasant things, but what can you do to make it better? You know, like, do you have your, you know, is that the time that you have, a, you make yourself a smoothie and drink your smoothie while you're born, writing a boring report? Or that's when I like forgot that during the beginning of the pandemic, that's when I would whip out the Lizzo and listen to that while I was working. And then I was like, <laughs> why am I getting so like, I feel like it was so much better in the beginning. And I was like, oh, because you were listening to like upbeat, sassy music and it was great. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you're at least finding some things to help improve it like that. I mean, that's definitely helpful to find the the coping mechanisms, right? Like yeah. you can set up rewards for yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work on the boring thing, get the good music. Work on the hard thing, have like the pleasant background noise music. I've been doing the same thing. Like music has been so helpful to like actually break up my day. Like in the morning, if I want a slower morning, I'll listen to cozy acoustic morning on Spotify. (laughs) 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 But if I need like, okay, this is, I need a little more upbeat morning because I'm feeling sluggish. Stressful electronic morning. 
Yeah, I need I do my K-pop morning. <laughs> <laughs> also on Spotify, they have a K-pop morning playlist. And then if I like know I have a lot to do, it's gonna be like an epic cast day. I'll listen to like um like fantasy writing playlist. Oh, it's funny. like swinging music, like I'm like actually on an RPG. But if it's like, oh, this is going to be a chill day, I just need to do a couple things. So, so listen to uh, K-pop work day. And so like I've used music to kind of like divide my day as I'm working. And give it on a days feeling. When, like, yeah. And so on like days my like headphones are dead or whatever, I'm like, no, nothing's happening today. <laughs> I have to wait till my headphones charge and then I can continue with my day. <laughs> it's chore time. My headphones are dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, no, yeah, finding those like new ways of being um, and kind of like, how do I work now? That's like still mimicking some of the things I did in the normal office environment, but kind of changed for here, like smells. I usually like, I have a candles and stuff that I use at different times of the day. The small things to hint of oh. like, this is the new routine. That's nice. I, li- hmm. I like that because smell can be so powerful, especially with memories, but also right? with mood setting. <laughs> exactly um so dylan how has been working from home at the same time martha is working from home do you work together in the same room or do you split apart no she has to go in another room because if she sits next to me i'll just tell her the things that i find because again i can't stress enough how little actual work i do you know i'm not punched in most of the time so it doesn't matter where she is she works downstairs typically and then i'll just find interesting things on the internet and run downstairs to tell her so i like open the door like martha i saw like listen to this thing i read on twitter and she's like i'm in a meeting right now <laughs> i'm like ah, ah. <laughs> yeah i did i discovered that like mark is now the target of my work gossip <laughs> oh dear you know like it's like some vp has like started a like video blog that he's sharing with everybody and i was like watch this (laughs) it's being part of the corporate world and he's talking about making baked goods and you're like and taking a jog and mark's like does he think that's helping i mean like i mean like it's something to like let people know that like you know somebody's thinking about them and keeping each other safe but it's it's so funny yeah (laughs) <laughs> like, and then I'm like, here, Mark, here's my like sexual harassment training. And I'm like, it's, you know, cause it's a video. And then he's like, this is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm used to Martha's been, was working at home like partially for a couple of months before the pandemic started. So like I had, she had already realized that being like separate is very necessary. Um, but now we're to the point where like, because I'm going to be going back to work f- full time, uh, from home i'm like trying to set up an actual like office space where i can be mm-hmm. um and we're rearranging too because we we picked really badly and the top of our house is really warm and i run hot so i sit up oh. here next to my computer doing work and just sweating and she's oh. downstairs where the the ac works really well dying because she hates the cold so we're switching <laughs> it around we're like i'm gonna move my desk downstairs oh that's such a um, good that makes sense but yeah like it's definitely i don't think we could function in the same room i'm impressed that you and mark can do it because yeah like i i would just literally talk until she (laughs) went insane it does help that like mark has been working from home and has like been accountable mostly to himself for most of his career and so he's very good at like focusing when he needs to focus but yeah yeah there is like a little bit extra stuff where you're like what? You're going to the fridge? Let me tell you about, like, work gossip. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, when you are working from home, you might be working on a small project or a big project. <laughs> <laughs> I like that segue. Yes. So uh, for my topic, I thought a good thing to speak about is starting big versus small projects, kind of uh, circling back to kind of like the game development kind of mind or mode. So recently, you've probably heard me talk about my interactive fiction work here on the podcast previously. I also talk about narrative kind of anything, any chance I get. Uh, mm -hmm. in the game space. But you'll notice that when you like look me up or look me on itch, you're like, oh, where are her games? She speaks of these great novels that we have never seen nor played. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so for a long time, um, I guess I would kind of to give a little background. I had this premise that like, you know, I have all these great ideas in my head and they're amazing. I'm like, I'm gonna make this multi-chapter, huge novel, interactive fiction with like three different endings. And I'm kind of a person that like dives deep. So I had like head first straight into like, I need all this and this and this, and it has to be grand scale. And I've made this like false sense in my head 
that whatever I produce has to be perfect and it has to be like groundbreaking because that's what people expect from me. Like, because I don't want to release something and people like, oh, she released that. It's not very good. And then like, I never get a chance after that Uh because I'm always remembered from the first project that Mm -hmm. I've done. And so I had kept that fear in my head. And so anytime I made something, clearly it wasn't good enough because, um, you know, I didn't have the skills and stuff like that. And so one day, it was actually in the afternoon, I was just scrolling on Twitter, doom scrolling, as a lot of people have been calling it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, I do that at night when I go to bed. It's bad. (laughs) It is bad. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm doom scrolling. I'm going through Twitter. And um, I I keep seeing, like, there's also, like, this fear of missing out. So, like, I see all these opportunities. And, like, if I had a portfolio, if I had X, Y, Z, I could have applied to that. I'm just missing out on all these opportunities. And you start getting FOMO and, like, like, oh, you know, if I would have started years ago. And so, like, getting stuck in, like, that past mindset, which isn't helpful at all. You start when you start and you begin when you begin. Every time, every person's timeline is, like, different. And I, mm-hmm. I am speaking to myself when I'm saying these words. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. But then I was like, you know what? I should just do it. Like. I'm at home in the middle of a pandemic and I'm releasing something. I was like, it kind of like got to the point where like things are on fire everywhere anyways. Let's just put it out there. Uh-huh. Uh, and so in like four hours, I made a website uh, and I uploaded a game. Uh, it's like three minutes to play. Uh, it's not even a big epic fantasy or sci-fi or horror uh-huh. genre because those are the genres really like. Octavia Butler is one of my favorite authors. So that's kind of the stuff that I want to write. But the problem is every time I try to do like the world building and stuff like that, I couldn't get it finished. So this is a slice of life story. They're just mundane stories of quarantine. Uh And so literally it's about making tea. Um, Five minutes about making a pot of tea. And I got some amazing feedback from doing that. And so because of that, I was able to then use that feedback to make an even better game and I make laundry day and you can actually see the like the 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 progression of like adding a tutorial because people were confused or making it more clear when there was narrative branches that affected the story so that people know if they played again it would get like different outcomes just like stuff like that that I would have never have gotten if I hadn't gotten to like basically like the shipped kind of phase yeah. So if you want to go to my website where I'm continuing to put stuff up, it's adia.dev. And I have two on there. I'm going to put a third one soon um, and like spruce it up. You'll notice the website has a very retro vibe. I'm trying to get like when it, like when you were in like high school or well, I was in high school. <laughs> Careful, yeah, Matt. There's a lot <laughs> right, of right young time high schoolers out there now. <laughs> but let, me, let, me, let me fix this question. The statement. Like around like 2000 like early 2006 like 2010 it was like the beginning of kind of like media spaces online and i had to take that media place where everyone had to make a blogger to post their creative writing and it had like there was a look to it that early circa kind of i made this myself and like the cute blocks and everything i kind of went with that as a theme (laughs) of reminiscent of my uh blogger creative writing days Mm -hmm. um but I felt like, and the uh, once I got it up and stuff like that, I realized that these are necessary lessons to learn. Because if you're always like starting projects and never finishing them, you don't learn about editing, publishing, putting it forth, getting feedback. Uh-huh. 
And I brought up my favorite author because Octavia Butler has a quote that if you don't start out, you don't start out writing good stuff. You start out writing crap and thinking it's good stuff. And then you gradually, you get better at it. That's why I say one of the most valuable traits is persistence. And so like, might you be like, there was a, I can't remember who we were talking to, but I remember talking to another game developer and they were talking about how you don't want to make your greatest ideas, your first projects, because you're going to learn so much. You'll be able to do those projects better once you have that experience under your belt. And I'm, that's exactly what's happening. And small projects are the best, especially with a small scope is one, it limits you. And two, you can choose what do I want to do better to make like each increment learn something else. And I've learned more in the past couple of weeks doing these small projects than I've done in the entirety of trying to make monolithic ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so cool. Like it's such a good lesson to learn because it gives you that like that ability to set a limit on like how much work you know something's going to be. Because I, I know that same thing with like thinking you know, putting it like these huge outlines together and like thinking of the really grand idea that I want to tell. And then as it like sort of stretches away from you and you go, I have no reasonable estimate on how long this will take. But if you've got like, if you just got your one mechanic, you can say, okay, I can put four hours into this. And if at any time before those four hours, I realize I'm not interested, I can stop and know exactly how much more effort I have to put in. Like, it's so helpful to go like, yep, I can just put a bow on it. Doesn't matter. It's done. Like, yeah, you're totally right that like, the actual development is only this one part of this big assembly line that ends with, you know, yeah, the website and the feedback and like the recognition. And it's so good to get, you know, get practice at doing every step of it. Right. And if like, cause I was talking to someone like uh, in, I had a coworker who I was talking to, this was a couple of years ago. And uh, so, you know, the trope where people are like, I'm an aspiring artist, uh, sorry, aspiring author. And you ask them, oh, what have you written? They're like, oh, the idea is still in my head. So they don't ever, uh-huh. they're not actually published yet. You're very so, inspiring. <laughs> uh, yes. And so when I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I'm an aspiring author. And I just assumed he was like that same intelligence. He just hadn't created a book yet. But then he sent me a link to his uh, book on Amazon. I was like, oh, he's just self-published it and put it out there. He only had like nine readers, apparently. Nine people downloaded the book, but he's like, I just want to be able to say I did it. Yeah. I am uh-huh. an author now. And so I feel the same way because I would talk to a lot of people and I would have like these information and all stuff like that. And they're like, oh, that's great. Where can I play your stuff? And then, then it's like, like face. It, I don't. No, it's not out there yet. I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm developing it. It's taking a long time. Yeah, there are a right? couple thing, a couple lessons that I think of from like Mark's old um kind of film and video days, which is one. Um, done is better than perfect because it's never yes. going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like that's not achievable. But if it's done, then people can see it. And then secondly, mm-hmm. um, your best idea now, you shouldn't save it for later because you're going to have more ideas and better ideas later. And so like, don't try to be like, well, I had this idea, but like it's, you know, it's too big a scope. You can do a slice of that idea for a short game where you learn that stuff and then go on to do maybe a bigger version of that same idea. Or maybe you'll have a different idea that makes you excited in a different way that you want to do the big project on. And like, don't assume that the like, I mean, it's going to say seem obvious when I say this, but don't assume that like, 
there's a limited number of ideas that are going to come out of you. Like, <laughs> like it sounds right. It sounds stupid, but like at the same time, you're, you know, when you're walking through life and going through it and you have a really good idea, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, like, how am I going to replicate that? But it's going to happen. Right. You know, like, and, and like, like anything, it is like a muscle. You get better the more you practice it. No, exactly. And so practice what the ideas that you have now and limiting that scope. The other scope limiting thing that I, I love is like how George Lucas, like his his original trilogy was so like so good. And then his second trilogy where he didn't have any scope limitations, he didn't have budget limitations, those prequels everybody thought was awful. <laughs> so sometimes those limits <laughs> can really focus you. No, I agree. I've been doing that similarly because I'm currently working on a project where I'm putting ink and electron together to make a kind of like a desktop kind of interactive fiction experience using the kind of ink scripting language. And at the beginning, I was like, these are all the mechanics it must have. <laughs> And so I've now just with like time and wanting to get out, I was like, okay, the story cannot be any longer than five minutes. It can only have two endings. Uh I will only implement one mechanic and make that mechanic really well polished and then be done. And I have made so much for momentum since then, because like just from adding that limitation where when I was like, oh, all this time, these are all the things I can do. I feel like that's why I like global game jams. Because I find myself saying, not enough time, we'll just do it this way. Uh (laughs) And stuff gets done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is so nice to say, cut that, cut that. Like, like be able to spew all your ideas all over like the whiteboard and then just be like, these are all the things that we don't have time to use. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, no, exactly. And that's another thing that I've kind of missed. Like I've been doing, trying to do, um, online game jams that kind of uh-huh. bring motivation to creating these smaller oh, yeah. stories. Because it can help. what ends up yeah. Deadlines can help so much. Right? Adia didn't take her nap because she's on a game jam deadline. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And I, I that has been helpful, but the thing that ends up happening is that I submit join the game jam. I never make the submission. It flies past me. But I've already started it. And so I finish it. I don't ever submit it to the game jam. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I've made a small mechanic and I've learned something from this. Eventually, my ratio on itch will be very good. It's not good now. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, though, is like the prompt is the thing that gets you going. Like, you know, like once you're you're going with it, it's still like you say, it's another another mark in that portfolio. Even if you didn't submit it on time, it's like. Those game jams aren't giving out, you know, $50,000 awards. It's just something to do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like during uh, kind of a pandemic when like there, for people who, you know, have the privilege to be able to have this like extra time to be able to do these types of things. Like I found myself after a period, there was a period of first couple months I'd like going through, but like I, it, it was an adjustment and I was not productive at all whether it was burnout or just the stress and trauma of living through such kind of like the time you'll hear that a lot. I, I know people are getting tired of the commercials in these trying times. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but no, that's the reality. I feel like that's why I was happy to just make my small projects once I was in a space mentally and like to be able to do that and like how to be okay. Like your time will come when your time will come. This is just something you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there is fun in this. And so just creating these small experiences and learning and getting to play with engines in like the narrative space, which I love to do and like creating just pockets of like happiness and like not caring about it being perfect or whatever. And that when I'm ready, or if I even decide to move beyond having this be a hobby, um, that if there is really this opportunity for me, they'll still be there. Mm-hmm. I had attended a narrowscope, narrowscope, I think it's narrowscope, narrative scope. Yes. Narrowscope. And, uh, I was able to attend all of it cause it was, it was also a very stressful time, but um, the keynote speaker, uh, his, he was originally going to do a talk about something else, but the entire time that he pivoted um, to talk about basically one, being isolated, two, oh. working in the game dev space, three, trying to do this all in a pandemic, and four, being easy on yourself. Like, that was the biggest thing. It was like, this is not the time to be your harshest critic mm-hmm. and kind of like how to move forward. And that seemed to be almost a theme running throughout that conference. People are like, yeah, this is not the time to beat yourself up. There is never a good time, but especially now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> now yeah, is that's not a really good attitude to take. And so it was really kind of like refreshing to hear that from like who did the keynote and he's known for like his hyper productivity like just churning out games one after another kind of in like the uh, uh-huh. interactive fiction space mm-hmm. and for him to come out and be like no <laughs> that is not what is happening right now and i'm gonna be brutally honest about the um difficulties that i've been having and having someone who's been like i produce four games a year <laughs> to be like no this that's not what's happening it was really good to hear and i feel like being more open about that because like exactly what Dylan was saying is like we only see the people who have like I made a game in five months with this extra time I've had I learned seven languages <laughs> nope, um, no and one. then you nobody <laughs> Almost and so nobody. hearing that <laughs> but, nobody yeah but if you got up in the morning and tweeted I took a shower today what a win <laughs> you get a like from me <laughs> right I appreciate that oh, sort there of you stuff, go. but <laughs> But no, yeah. And I think that kind of uh, also kind of ties back to like the the starting big versus like smaller projects. Because one thing I noticed was like I had put it out there. And honestly, I didn't do any marketing. So I wasn't I was expecting like the family members I texted, maybe like the couple people who saw it to like give me feedback. But then I got this um, feedback from a random Indian guy, which was his handle, random Indian guy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know, this is great writing. I'm excited to see what you're doing in the future. And when you like, you know, hone your skills to be able to elicit strong emotions from your users or something like that. And I was like, thank you, random Indian guy. I love that feedback. Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, affirming. Right. And yeah. like hearing that, cause like you have the fear of like putting it out there and people just rip you apart. Oh, absolutely. And like, 
because the thing is, I do want constructive feedback. And I did get it. Like, I had someone say, hey, I like the game, but the music was too loud and it distracted me from being able to, like, focus on the thing. Cool. Or someone's like, hey, I didn't know there was different endings. Do you think you could be more clear on, like, um, letting people know that if they play again, there's, like, hidden stuff they can find? Great constructive feedback. Oh, yeah. You're saying, hey, this is how it could be better. This is my opinion. Not to take all of it. Some of you would be like, yes, that's great. Or, yeah, thank you for your feedback. We'll see if I take it or not. But like when I was my vision of like, when I put my big project out there, release it, people were going to be like, this is horrible writing. It sounds like a second year old did it and blah, 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 blah. There I've, I've seen stuff where people like post things and they're like, ooh, this is rough. Like I praise anyone who does early access stuff on Steam because I've seen those comments. Oh, oh, man. They're bad. not pretty. <laughs> Never. They're like, why isn't this game finished? I'm like, you're playing an early access game. There is a reason why it's not finished. Or they're like, stop working on this now. It's trash. I'm like, that's not correct that? constructive at all. Like, what was the goal of that comment? <laughs> yeah, what do you expect to come from that? Oh, oh I- no, I should really stop working on this thing that I've invested all my time in because one rando says that it's trash. And now I feel like I want to get more into the interactive fiction community in and of itself i think that's also been prompted how everything's online so like connecting with people at the naroscope conference and um you know participating in interactive fiction competition this year whether i'm actually finally going to submit something or just as a judge um uh-huh. like it going through and review because i did review um a couple of them last year um which was a really great experience but like there's a ton of things I want to do. Like maybe I'll start my own podcast, just talking about interactive fiction because I can talk for years about interactive fiction uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just stuff like that, that like gives back to the community. Cause I can see so many great people that I've connected with and met online within it. And I'm like, I want to give more to it. And so I'm, I feel like now with kind of like this online presence, this has become more of like how people get into the industry because before I'm like, I need to physically be at these places to be a participant. Yeah. And, and for certain people, this isn't a mode change. It's like, Oh yeah, no, we've been creating these online communities since forever. But for me, it's like, okay, now I see where I can be more productive and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And like thinking about like how I can like do more reviews of games that I play. Yeah. And especially for you being very strictly into narrative fiction, that that community can't only exist in the Twin Cities just because of uh, the scope that that online community can be really, really important. Mm -hmm. And and in silver lining news, this pandemic has like encouraged you to find it. Right. Yeah. I've been finding those silver linings are like super important. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it may have taken <laughs> you so long otherwise, or you may have never found it. So like that, that that's fantastic. No, exactly. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to like the new stuff that I'll eventually kind of run into or the people I meet or just the things that kind of fall out from this. Um, Cause like I'm giving a talk uh, Wednesday about my electronic project that I mentioned a bit earlier um, to talk more about it. Cause I've, it's weird. This will be Wednesday in the past by the time the listeners hear it, but that doesn't mean (laughs) they can't see it because it will be online. 
very true. I keep forgetting the delay between when this is recorded and then when it actually gets released. Ke- but I will Ke- probably Ke- have done an amazing Ma- job, and hopefully yeah, well, the demo is up on my website. Yes, and hopefully the demo is on my website by the time you listen to it. The download Ooh. and play. Ooh, and nice. You gotta, you gotta be really like clear to the listeners though to not punish yourself. And the best way to do that is by not doing that now. Don't have the demo up so we can say, yeah, I did what I needed to. And that's why it's you, not up. You got the talk done by the due date. And the demo will be up when it's up. Exactly. Exactly. You meant that. <laughs> okay. Topic transition time. Yes. I'm ready. So speaking of, well, actually, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this, about escapist games. Because I was thinking about this. You know, we we have all we all play video games and a lot of us make video games. But I was thinking about the difference between the games that I've been playing in the pandemic versus things that I consider normally like, oh, things where I want to like completely forget about the world. Um, Because I I think a lot of times with escapist games, I tend people tend to think about like things like The Witcher or things that like are totally absorbing, you know, they sort of, uh-huh. there's this equation of immersive and escapist. Um, but, you know, now that I've found myself stressed and bored and tired a lot of the time and playing more video games than I do, I don't, I'm not playing like these things that take me completely out of the world in that way. The, the escape that I have found is in mindlessness is in like very oh. statistic based games, very like nothing exciting. There's nothing that will ever require you to like, you know, act quickly, no, no shooters or anything, just things that are like, Hmm, I'm going to do a little bit of math and it's completely separate, like devoid of any like outside externalities. You know, it's just like, here I am doing the little puzzle. Um, and so I was curious about that because I've noticed, you know, Martha has also sort of defaulted to pick cross as just the thing where like, I just need to do a thing that isn't thinking about how everything in the world is going right now. And I was curious what sort of games you guys have found yourself playing and if you found yourself playing different games or if like it's just, hey, I I, I want to play more of the same now that I'm trapped at home. Yeah, I feel like uh, I've definitely been playing different types of games. So before I'm like, give me this huge arcing RPG with like all these like different classes and stuff like that, and these big battles. But that sounds really stressful to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> so I've been in a similar thing where like, I like games where I don't have to be fully invested. I can pick up for 10 minutes and still feel productive in whatever I'm doing. So Animal Crossing. Agree? Oh, yeah. Couldn't have come at a better <laughs> time, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> They've made almost like the amount of revenue Animal Crossing it is on track to be Nintendo's bestseller. <laughs> I mean, it, like literally, they they could not have planned this better if they had invented COVID themselves. Like, truly, it was like everyone. It was their like their little garden. Everyone is gonna like go in and build their happy place, essentially. <laughs> right? No, exactly that. And I've been playing things like I just recently got Ooblets, and then yeah. um, I've been like casual games where like the premise is like build up the town. Or help these people, and like <laughs> nothing bad happens. There's no timers. There's no switches. You just do the thing, and you're like, "I did the thing. Thank you, game." Like what was that goose game? Um, Untitled, Untitled Goose, goose game. game? 
there's no like you're just making a mess of the town mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so at the beginning of the pandemic i had said to myself like oh I, this is finally the perfect time to go back and play final fantasy 9 because i've been meaning to do that for a long time and i got a port on my computer so like I started it off and I'm going through like the first first discs worth of content, I guess you'd call it. But like <laughs> it just got to be too much where I'm going, okay, so this is a story where we're sort of like a band of people who are fighting against a a bad person who we spend a lot of time trying to determine if they're evil or just stupid. And I'm starting to see parallels to too much of my uncomfortable reality. Like it just reminded me over uh, and over about like Yeah, there are really stupid people in control of so many things. And I think they're evil too. And it just it was like, at some point, I was like, you know, I know they're going to win in the game. I just can't think about things in those terms anymore. Mm-hmm. So instead, I've been playing uh, for the last couple of weeks. I've been playing Blaze Ball. Have any of you guys seen any I of this stuff? I see tweets no. about that uh, all the Blaze time, Ball and I have no so Blaze idea what it is. So is a, uh, a fantasy baseball game that's truly fantasy, where you pick these sort of, there are these randomly named teams with randomly named players, and they play an entire season of baseball every week. Uh, but it's absurdist baseball. So like the the only like it the um like the weather conditions instead of being like, oh, it's sunny today or it's windy, like the weather conditions right now are uh storms of birds, uh <laughs> solar eclipse, or just peanuts, which we don't know what that is. So it's all just it's this little like stat based thing where you just sort of you see all the teams and you have like some coins that you bet on which team is gonna win. Um, and then, like, they play out in real time, like, with just updates every, like, four seconds or something that, like, this player hit a ball to here. And they have, you know, the little baseball score box that up- updates with the strikes and outs and stuff. And it's just very, it's simultaneously, like, very calming because, like, nothing goes on. There's no graphics at all. Uh-huh. But also, like, it's got this element of, like, you know, there are all these hidden stats that people are trying to figure out. And you can vote on the rules. So, like, there's one team that just gets four outs instead of three outs like everybody else. Because they like you know voted last last week for them to get that, so it's like it's like strategy, but it's explicitly like it exists in this magical world of baseball and nothing else. So you just are like, yep, I'm voting for the Canada Moist Talkers today, and I really hope <laughs> Jessica Telephone scores a bunch of home runs. And beyond that, I have nothing else to think about. <sighs> and oh my god. Like- very little perils to what's like going on with reality in your life until we have uh, <laughs> storms of birds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like I can think to myself, well, yeah, like there's bad things going on, but there aren't, you know, rogue umpires who pop up and incinerate players. And like, we don't have a baseball system that requires oh the players to have 10,000 years of baseball experience before they're promoted. Like it's just, you get to enjoy like, ah, oh, I don't live in a hellscape of only baseball. So I've got that going for me. That's pretty good. My, my game playing has not changed too much. I am still like I am still kind of a one game at a time person. Um, I've been playing a lot of Civ Six because I can play online with my friends, and that's very like helpful in just like getting through this time where you have online friends, and then you can remember that oh, there are people like me who do don't go out that out of their house. Instead of people who are like, yeah, come over to my backyard. And I'm like, no, mom, but thanks. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I mean, honestly, speaking of upsides to the pandemic, I think that's been one of my like biggest things is I'm always the guy on the discord, like with my friends being like, how come no one's ever on? Why don't we play games together, you guys? 
And now, like, yeah, what are you going to do on Friday nights, guys? I've got some co-op games we can play. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Nowhere else to go. I'm the only game in town now. <laughs> ah, it's eliminated your competition. <laughs> exactly. None of this bike riding or going to see movies or sociable drinking. No, now you sit in the dark and play with me. <laughs> I've noticed that too of like availability. I've been doing a lot of like co-op games, but specifically Jackbox party game. I feel like their like revenue has to have gone through the roof right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've been playing that after the IGDA meetings and that has been real funny because Mark and I do real well because we're two people on the same team and everybody else is just a single person. So it's just like, I you knew that, like, you know, just the fact that we have two brains in the same room playing as the same team, it's going to help us out a lot. Oh, we've also right. been playing, like, some Jeopardy from um, from uh, various previous consoles, and that has been super fun, like, me and Mark. Just because, oh. like, like, yeah, like, like, Super NES Jeopardy. Yeah, things like that. Uh, yeah, where you have to like type in the answers, and I am terrible at typing. And like, usually I just sit there and laugh because I can't type the whole answer in time. And Mark's like, How are you so bad at this? And I'm like, I don't know. Just like keep hitting the wrong letters and going back. And it doesn't matter who wins, even though every single time I start out with like telling Mark that I'm gonna like trounce him. That's a throwback for the NES. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so, like, you have to, like, and they, like, ask questions about movies from, like, or TV shows from the 60s and 70s, and you're just like, <laughs> what eight-year-old in, like, 1990 knew this stuff? <laughs> I almost wonder that, too, because I, I got Jeopardy for my parents, and it was, like, this, like, it was the actual, like, spinner connected to just, like, cords that you would plug into your TV, it was just all-encompassing one. It was just the Jeopardy console that you bought, used as a controller, and then played. And, like, we got so much use out of that thing. But, like, now it will probably be dated. Yeah. If we played it now, like, it had a very specific point in time when its cultural references were relevant. But sometimes I think yeah. that's fun. Like, yeah. on Netflix, they brought back... Um, Cart sweeper. It was that old game show where like people would run around <gasps> carts and I had to pick I things from a grocery that. store. You go grocery yeah. shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, all the seasons are on Netflix now. All the old seasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but gosh, I, I find, remember that. Uh, right, and to kind of continue on the theme with Dylan's escapist games, I think besides kind of just the casual games, I found myself like gravitating back to games I've played before. Mm. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes, that can be very cathartic to just like, yep, you know, uh -huh. you see the beats of the story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of uh, a lot of Deep Rock Galactic, which uh, is a is like a co-op sort of mining game, which is really nice because it's uh, it's all like procedurally generated terrain. So like the it's a very simple game. Like it's just you go in and do this like sort of mining and, and, and shooting guys. But it's four player and it always changes like every you can go to the same level a hundred times. It always looks different. And so like that kind of stuff is nice because like, you know, there's there's enough to keep you paying attention. Like, you know, it'll be different. But like 
you don't have to, yeah, you never have to worry about, oh, like, is there something that I'm not going to be prepared for? Or like, am I not going to know how to handle this? Like, you can just sort of like go through it as a space to talk with people because you're never yeah. going to be surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I understand. Like I've uh, been playing um, Harvest Moon, uh, Another Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what happened. I've beat that game multiple times. So I'm like, oh, who am I going to romance this time? I got my <laughs> animals back. Oh, no, I have to like make sure I talk to these people in these order before the season ends. And just stuff like that. Where like, I like I before like I even think I've said this in a previous podcast where like I rarely play games twice and now I found myself doing that almost as like a <laughs> coping mechanism. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I think I mean even from the game design side, that can be nice to sort of like get perspective on games that you like. Like I know I definitely thought that about when I first played like Dishonored, which again I've talked about at length on this podcast. But the first time I played Dishonored one, I was like. Wow, that was a really good game. And I forgot about it for like literally a year or more before playing it again and going, oh no, this isn't a very good game. This is like one of the best games. <laughs> Where like <laughs> it took that second time of of yeah, like being able to go in and not be like surprised by like story beats and stuff like that. I could suddenly recognize like why I was so entranced the first time by seeing like, oh, like yeah, these levels are really well laid out where there's, you can sort of get to the go. Everything funnels you towards a goal, but gives you all these like spread out ways to get there. And like, it gave me an appreciation for what they were doing to go back and see that again. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's interesting that this is like, this has brought that back to you <laughs> or given you that you, that, that perspective on it. Like, Oh, now it is the time that I can, I can handle to go through this again. Right? And like the next step is trying to find my Golden Sun games because I love those yeah. games. Dude, yes. <laughs> I have to go hunt them down. I know they're somewhere in a box in my house. <laughs> uh. No, I feel like having that good escape is important. And I I actually think that is a trend. When I was watching uh, the Steam Summer Game Festival and they also did, I think, two others. I don't recall their names. There was almost like an entire track of just casual games, uh-huh. like, um, and I I don't want to say casual games because there's always kind of like that negative connotation of like oh you only play casual games and I don't mean it in that sense, but it's the type of games where like the type of experience you get is almost like coming home after a long day of work, sitting in the couch with your favorite food and your favorite drink. And just like watching something enjoyable, but it's interactive. And that's uh-huh. kind of how I, I, I see that kind of experience. And that's in the framework I'm talking about. And so um, seeing those type of games crop up more and more, especially within like the self-care space, seeing more games heading in that direction as well in this kind of like perfect timing for those type of games to become more relevant and important. I see those games taking more space where before they're like, those are sort of real games. They're sort of, you know, uh-huh. whatever. But now they're like, no, not only do they have like a really good need, there's a huge market for it. I think it always has been, but it's nice to get that acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. It's vindication for both. Yeah. Those creators and people who like those genres. I was going to say, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about this whole coronavirus thing, do you think that we're going to see like, cause zombie games, like we've had a lot of zombie games oh, yeah. and it never really slows down, you know, between the walking dead and left for dead and all the mm-hmm. other, what other dead. deads. Yep. Yeah. 
all of the other every dead game. But yeah, do you think like people are gonna finally ease off the like zombie pandemic trope? Are we done with that now? Because I would love to be done with that. If we could just as a culture move past the zombies, I'm ready. I've done it. I've I've shot a lot of zombies. I've talked about a lot of zombies. I've cried over some zombies. Like, let's just uh let's see something new. What's the next thing people are gonna be afraid of? Because yeah, I'm I'm done with like infection. I don't need another like story about that. I can just read the news. Um, I think there might be like a light break, but I think it's such a popular theme that it's never gonna really go away. Cause one of the nice things about zombies is, you know, like you're not part of a war, like they're clearly evil and they're kind of already dead. It's like the I'm going to make a game where we fight robots because then we don't have to deal with the moral implications of a game killing people. Oh yeah. I support more robots, less zombies, more robots. Is yeah. Maybe that's what will, will happen. <laughs> yeah. Now we need some interactive fiction games about like staying inside. That's that, that, that I'll take like, let's, can we pivot <laughs> that way? Maybe like, let's have some like gone home, but nobody died. <laughs> No, I, I, I could see that. Like when I was thinking about like more, like, I don't think we're going to get away from the zombie genre yet. Darn. <laughs> I, for me, I really like. have you guys seen uh, the new Ubisoft, is it Ubisoft, I think the new game grounded that just uh, it is in open or in early access. Now it felt to me like what I would want to play as a kid I were a kid living through this pandemic. If I was like, you know, 12 or 13 in this pandemic, because it's this game where it's like a co-op game where you're, you play kids who have been shrunk down to bug size and you're like fighting for survival in your own backyard. So you like tame ants and build little forts and stuff. And I was like, see, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I, that would be my reaction. That would be my like creation for a pandemic is something that is pure. Like, here we go. Just have fun taming ants or something. It's fantasy plus something that's grounded plus something where you can like imagine and then you can go out into your backyard and then like look at stocks of grass. Yeah, like low stakes fun has that element of like, you know, yeah, something sort of fantastical. But like, yeah, there's no like spaceships. I don't have to pick whether the Reapers like, you know, drop a nuke on whichever dudes like I just get to be a kid with a stick like that. (laughs) That's what I would be down with. (laughs) Yeah, well. I'll I'll let you guys know next time we have uh, an evil games club. Okay, if you played it. the nice game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ironic. I just don't have the stomach for any evil games, especially <laughs> not now. <laughs> We're putting baseball in the show notes, right? I want to convert everyone. Yeah, I'm really interested. It sounds really cool. And the best thing about it is that, like, there because there's so little information, like it's not really forthcoming with like you know, actual stuff like there are people who have taken upon themselves to create like headquarters for all the teams and they have all this great fan art and people are making like, you know, lineups for all these different teams and they're all just, you know, wild animals and aliens and stuff like that. And the game itself is like super strongly uh, like inclusionary where there are players of every like possible gender and that they're like, yep, everybody is welcome here because the only thing we do is play baseball. We are all love baseball. <laughs> I uh, I really want people to play baseball. <laughs> there, so there's this guy, the baseball commissioner on Twitter, who is like the person who I don't know is in charge of running the game. But the servers will just crash, and they announced it. They announced it on Twitter as 
the servers have had a siesta. (laughs) (laughs) But I have. But also canonically in the lore, the siesta where the server crashes is the only time that the players are allowed to rest because otherwise they must always be playing baseball as are the contracts of their eternal, you know, the eternal things they signed. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh. actually really cool. And I like building lore around that. Yeah, and I just like there. There's already, you know, I so I've been following the Canada Moist Talkers because there aren't any uh, there aren't any teams around us. Although, so they have like in the source code, they have all these minor league teams, and there's like ten thousand or whatever, some ridiculous number. And the closest one to here is they have the Adina Cake Eaters, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> because it's so on the nose. But uh, uh. yeah, so like I've been rooting for the Canada Moist Talkers, and that's gone pretty well, I'd say. We got you know. <laughs> We got into the playoffs, but we weren't able to beat any of the big teams. So we're kind of scrappy. You know? yes. uh, yeah, Eugenia Garbage is our star hitter, and Polkadot <laughs> Patterson is our star pitcher. Oh, that's pretty good. For people who aren't from the Twin Cities, Edina is our, like, hoity-toity suburb. Uh, dude, are we going to get hate mail because I'm, I'm talking trash <laughs> about Edina? Edina? No, you people won't. People are going to be like, well, Edina. I found your podcast humorous until... <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're evil. Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> In the name. <laughs> that's our show. This is normally the part where Mark tells you to subscribe to Nice Games Club. So go ahead and do that. But only so you can catch it the next time we take over the show. The Nice Games Club is always looking for feedback. So tell them that Evil Games Club is the best. You can do that on Twitter at Nice Games Club. But whatever you do, don't fill out their feedback form nicegames.club slash feedback. Don't do it. Not ever. So, until next time we take over the clubhouse, remember to be mean and make trouble. Whatever you do, don't fill you there. That's a typo with the outro. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just read the copy as written. Don't you <laughs> fill you feedback form. <laughs>Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.